This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. We've got two special guests in studio. We are talking all things International League T20. Chris McCarty, I will throw to you Indeed. to introduce the gents. Yeah, we're delighted to be joined in studio by Mike, uh, Mike Fordham. He is the tournament director of the International League T20, which is coming here right to the United Arab Emirates start of 2023. So, Mike, welcome to our humble abode. Thanks very much. Great and alongside you. Mike, we've got Phil Oliver. He heads up the cricket operations for private equity firm Lancer Capital, who in turn, well, they've launched the Desert Vipers, one of the six competing teams in the ILT20. And we say, Phil, a very good evening to you, my friends. Thanks, Chris. Let's get into this, boys, because this is exciting. Listen, we're just coming off the back of Asia Cup action. We've seen a litany, Pakistan, for goodness sake, called this place home for a number of years. England are regular visitors. We've had India over here. Sharjah, we know, is a hotbed for cricket. And yet we've got a brand new tournament coming to this part of the world at the start of next year. How excited, Mike, and you're going to tell me we should be super excited, should we be for the International League T20? Yeah, well, very excited, I hope. Um, I mean, as you say, the UAE has been a bit of a hotbed for cricket in the last few years. ICC are obviously based here. We've also had the IPL here twice in the last few years. Yeah. And actually COVID has actually, I think, benefited cricket in this region because it's been a bit of a hub for, for the cricket world to come to. But the ILT20 is the next major step for cricket in this region. And it's important for cricket in this region because it's going to be an annual competition that takes place uh, at the same time each year, January, February. And we hope it'll be a sort of landmark event for cricket and sport in general, uh, not just in the UA, in the Middle East, uh, and a league where fans locally can get behind the teams and, and really, you know, be a big sort of next step to really build cricket even further in this country. Let's lay it out if we can, Mike, for people listening to the show who are not familiar with the ILT20, but are familiar with, say, the IPL or the Pakistan yeah. Super League. Um, how is it similar and how is it different? Yeah, well, obviously certain similarities. Um, we obviously don't want to just copy the IPL and the other leagues. We want to have our own differences and create something that's sort of unique to this country. Um, but clearly that there are differences. Um, you know, this is going to be, a, as the name suggests, a very much an international league. Um, so each team has... Uh, uh, four UAE players in its in its squad, and the remainder of the squad are, are from players all over from all over the rest of the world. So we've got players from pretty much every corner of the cricketing globe. A lot of top players from the West Indies, from England, uh, Sri Lanka. Actually, a lot of the stars from the the Sri Lanka team that won the Asia Cup at the weekend will be playing in our league. And actually, some of the lesser known countries in the cricket world. So there's going to be two players from ICC associate countries, which is your sort of second tier nations. So we really hope this can be a sort of vehicle for players from those countries to develop. So we've got players from countries like Namibia, uh, Nepal, USA, Netherlands, Scotland. Go on. You know, in keeping with with. With the UAE as a, as a country, which is very much a melting pot from people from all over no the world. No doubt about it. Phil, I'm going to ask you this question, and Mike, you might want to take your headphones off now, because uh, what lured you, Phil? You're obviously representing a private equity firm. You're heading up the cricket operations for Lancer Capital. You're scouring the globe for opportunities that make sense. What was it about the International League T20 that made you, the stakeholders, and say to yourselves, you know what, this is the vehicle that we can absolutely get behind? Yeah, it's a good question, Chris. And as, as Mike says, it cricket is a truly global game and this league very much represents that. And that's the attraction for the, for the owners to, to get into cricket. They see the power of the game um, in India and, and the rest of South Asia and the influence of the IPL. And as Mike says, um, we certainly don't want just to copy the IPL model, but you see the power of, of cricket in the region and the popularity of it. It reaches fans all over the world. And to get involved in, in that and have an opportunity to grow our brand within that is hugely attractive to, to owners 
even in the US and it, it got attention for them that way Desert Vipers that is the team that we're talking mm. about that is your team yep. where is it based because doing research for this is it a Dubai based franchise where will you guys call home Dubai is home for us it is Dubai Yes, yeah. Although we're looking forward to playing in all three of the the major cities here, and that's a big attraction of the league itself. Three fantastic grounds spread from Abu Dhabi, Sharjah and Dubai. We'll be playing across all three of those, and there's not many places in the world that have three international quality stadiums so close to each other, but Dubai will be home for us. And I guess the million dollar question, because of course we're all dipping our toe, this is the first time that it's happening. Are you in it for the long term, or is this a suck it and see? Are you coming into it thinking, okay, let's see how we get on year one, year two, or are you guys putting roots down here? Oh, Desert uh, Vipers are here for the long haul. Absolutely, the, the last of their 10-year licenses that all the franchise owners have, have bought, so we're in it for the long term, but not just in this league, in cricket in general. We hope to be exploring other geographical locations. And yes, that's a, a long-term plan, but we're very much focused on ILT20 and, and looking forward to being here in Dubai in, in January and February. How much uh, might will it benefit UAE cricketers? We've actually had a couple in studio with we us, have. and and you know they've they've you know started to emerge yeah. as as maybe a second tier nation as you referenced earlier, and uh, the opportunity. I think one or two have made it over to at least um, get into the draft for the for the yeah. IPL that have grew up at Cherag Suri, Chirag I believe, Suri, um, who, who who played his cricket and grew up out here. But obviously, as an emerging nation, um, there will be a, a talent gap or a, a kind of a, a level a gap to that level but uh, there'll also be an opportunity for those UAE players to kind of kick on uh, yeah. with playing in the company of established professionals from tier one nations definitely absolutely I mean this is a key objective of the league is to be a huge development tool for, for players from this region so each squad will have four UAE players two of which have to play in the, the match 11 each time and we think over time, uh, as the league matures, that, that that number might increase. So we really hope this will be a you know a platform for local players to play against some of the world's best and for local fans to see their their, their local heroes do well. Uh, looking at your resume, Mike, it's both of you boys, by the way, impressive resumes. I'll get to yours, Mike. I mean, obviously, you played a part in the RPL's opening season. You, you played a major part in that, I'm aware of. The Caribbean Premier League, the 100 over uh, the English uh, England and Wales cricket board, of course, that the launch of the kind of controversial 100. I think it's silenced its naysayers, I think it's fair to say. Let me ask the million-dollar question that some might say. Is there a danger of oversaturation from a team? There's a slice of the pie still to be had. Great question. And it's a, a very live debate in the cricket world at the moment, as I'm sure you know. I mean, in, in, you say the hundreds, silence is naysayers, but there's that still. debate's still rumbling on <laughs> yes. for sure. Um, but definitely, I think there's, there's room in each major cricket country for its own league. Um, the question is, you know, whether, how many each of these individual leagues each of these top players can play in the appetite from the players to come to a country like the UAE is very strong I was going to say we know that they they've enjoyed coming here for, for World Cups for IPL they love the facilities they love the lifestyle the hotels and everything like that here uh, so I think this league's got a great chance of being able to establish itself as, as one of the world's best um, but we're not complacent we know it's a competitive marketplace if that's the right word for yeah. for players for sponsorship money for everything like that so it needs to be executed in the right way uh, and we're confident we're going to be able to do that and that this can become one of the world's best T20 competitions. Phil, I'm reading that you co-founded cricket analysis company CrickViz That's in, right, yes. in 2015, which is fantastic. It's a go-to, of course, for statisticians. And, and um, you know, I'm just curious as to what your reading of the kind of global kind of uh, state of the game in terms of my interpretation would be that uh, it's the ODIs that, that are almost being squeezed by 
the sort of uh, renaissance of test cricket in, in many ways, like certainly with England and under Ben Stokes and new coaching and, and uh, you know, Ben Stokes himself deciding to, to step away from ODIs and, and with more T20s in the schedule. How does the, the sport, you know, avoid, as, as we mentioned, oversaturation, oversaturation while also kind of continuing to grow is it are we going to see that divergence increase do you think in the coming years yeah it's a it's a fair point and as as we've been saying I, I think cricket is a bit of a crossroads now but it is a an opportunity as well and and I think it's very important to recognize that cricket being here will develop players and give more players an opportunity to to grow similar leagues like this and UAE players to, to perform at a, a even higher level I think there's only one real opportunity for UAE players to, to play at, at that elite standard apart from occasional global events and it's things like this league so having those players with us in a elite group as you as you mentioned rubbing shoulders with the very best players and the very best coaches that's a way of growing the game and that's very much a mission statement of Emirates Cricket Board and also ILT and we look forward to playing a, a full role in that. But it's been a, it's a long-standing question how to fit in all the formats. Mm. Uh, and you're right to mention the 100. Um, it does provide opportunity for new cricket fans, and that's what we want to do here in this region. We're aware that not everyone is aware of the sport, is in love with the sport, but accessing new fans through an in, engaging and entertaining form of the, the sport, the 100 showed that is possible in England. Did. Uh, and I think that's very much the, the case here. Yeah. Um, and ODI cricket, I think it will always have its place. It's been under pressure for a while. The Ben Stokes thing did catch people by surprise a, a little bit. But I think players will make their, their individual choices. And I think good events that are well run, like this league will, will. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's a meritocracy, but, really. You're absolutely right. It's, it's a bit like golf at the minute. There are enough players coming into the sport to actually facilitate the test arena, the ODIs, the T20s, and the other one that we haven't spoken about is T10. For goodness sake, T10 down the road in Abu Dhabi is taken off to an extent. Yeah. Now, I, I need to stress this. This is, this is a, a big event. This is welcoming some of the biggest names in world cricket it's a bit of an unfair question Mike I'm coming back to you for this one the IPL we know is just a juggernaut Pakistan Super League has aspirations of kind of I guess you know writing itself as number two I don't think anyone's catching IPL where is the the aim for this one not to put yourself under too much pressure of course Mike where is this sitting in the pantheon uh, I think the aim is to be you know up there competing to be the second best league in the world yeah that's I think fair. that's an achievable achievable aim you know, there's a number of different metrics you could look at it. Um, quality of players. Uh, you don't want to talk about money too much in sport, <laughs> but the player salary will have. I think we're going to have the second highest player budget. salary budget um, per team when you compare it to other sports, other cricket leagues. And then you know, viewership and media rights revenue, I suppose, would be the other um, ways in which you could assess it. But clearly, one of the most important ways to assess it is fans in the venue and trying to get as many people in the in the stadiums here. We've seen that that can happen if you get it right. The Asia Absolutely. Cup, we, we were, Phil and I were there on Sunday night, Pakistan against Sri Lanka, and it was an amazing atmosphere, completely packed at Dubai. So if we can get it a little bit like that, then that would be fantastic. I'll turn my attention to you, Phil, because we've had a lot of questions in on this subject. Interesting that Mike mentions Full House, of course, it is Asia, Kazakhstan, and Sri Lanka. We know there's a huge swathe of Pakistani nationals living in this country. Pakistan players, you're not an Indian based business, you're a UK, US. Do Pakistan players interest you for this T20 league? Very much so, from the perspective that they have some of the best players in the world and that's what this tournament's about and that's what we want to, to make part of our team at the Desert Vipers. 
you're right. We are realistic about our place in this league. We do recognise that we're the only non-Indian-owned team in the in the league, and we're very much looking at that opportunity, not just to to get the best players. And we know how good the Pakistan guys are. We saw it in the the ICC World Cup here just last year, and yeah. of course throughout this this Asia Cup, although they were on the uh, on the second hand of a, a fantastic Sri Lanka performance, uh, they've got some fantastic players, and we'd be silly not to look at that that opportunity. And we know the popularity of Pakistan players, and we. I think cricket fans all over the world just want to see good players wherever they're watching the cricket from, be it in the ground or on TV. And we want to offer fans that that experience by getting good players in. And if they happen to be Pakistan players, we're, we're very open to do that. Can we sort of run through some of the sort of machinations of, of the league, if, if possible, in terms of, you know, the draft, um, how you're going to, you know, how each player is going to be signed? Is, is that going to be from the international perspective? Is it just something that uh, we're talking about from a UAE perspective? when it comes to the draft and I, I read that was also taking place in November um, and then in terms of how the league will work yeah. uh, in terms of is it a round robin format is there a knockout stage rather like they have with the IPL how's it all going to work um, Mike? Yeah so the on subject players the majority of the overseas players have actually already been signed by the teams so okay. each team has signed uh, up to 14 players directly we had a window which ran up until um, the end of July on that and you know we've got was there a salary cap, or was there? Yeah, some- there was a minimum, a minimum, and a maximum that each team was allowed to spend. So it's important that you have a, a minimum to enable, you know, a relative sort of competitive balance and a, and a maximum so that one team doesn't go out and sign yeah. all the best players. Yeah. I think we've got a pretty good mix of teams. I think they are pretty evenly balanced. Um, as I say, a lot of, sort of good West Indies players, people like sort of Shimron Hetmeyer, Rodman Powell, Andre Russell. Sunil Narine, Dwayne Bravo, Fabian Pollard, a uh, lot of good English players, Moen Ali, uh, David Milan, Sam Billings, uh, and various Hales others. Is, Alex, Alex Hales, Hales is, Hales, is, is yep. with Phil's team. Uh, a lot of the Afghanistan team that we saw in the recent Asia Cup. Um, a lot of the top Sri Lankan players, including Hasaranga, who's with Phil's team, and Rajapaksa, who was man of the match, I think, on, on Sunday night. He was. Uh, and, and then, you know, a whole host of other countries represented, including all the ICC nations, which I mentioned. Then there's going to be a further window, uh, sort of a draft process to sign the, the UAE players, um, as I mentioned, four per four per squad um, and then the season itself starts on the 13th of January so it's six teams playing uh, five home games and five away games then the semi-finals and final uh, it's largely one game uh, every evening although sometimes at weekends there'll be, there'll be two games um, and it's you know in terms of its format I guess it's similar to, to an IPL but, and you know that's the sort of sporting, sporting product that works The other million dollar question ticket prices are we even there yet? We're not quite there yet. Um, we're, we're going through that process now. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting process. We've been talking about that a lot today, actually. Um, how we're going to, you know, achieve that objective of trying to get as many people in the venues as, as possible. And you know, we know that it's not an international tournament, and that there are going to be challenges maybe on certain days of the week. So we'll be, they'll be flexible on ticket prices. Um, but we we hope to have a you know a good good mix of audience in in terms of nationalities of different fans and we'll also be putting on all sorts of entertainment in the venues and around the venues in terms of music and food and we're gonna have a you know a, a beer garden sort of atmosphere yeah. in, in Dubai to try and create that kind of uh, you know festival atmosphere hopefully at that time of year January February the weather's 
the weather's good for those kind of outdoor activities here. So we're going to try and create a bit of a different atmosphere um, for all the fans to come along. Obviously, success for you guys is you know, fantastic cricket, getting as many bums on seats as possible. From your perspective, Phil, obviously you're investing time, you're investing money, for goodness sake, into this. What's a metric of success year one for the Desert Vipers? I think the first place you look is on-field performance. You know, it's, it's an elite competition. We always think from a, I think all sports team owners look at it from a commercial perspective, but we need to put that to, to one side. That'll look after itself if it's a good event with good performances from our team. And so we're very much measuring it from, from that in season one. The top four would go through to a knockout situation and that's our, our minimum target. And we think that's very much achievable. As Mike says, it's a, a well-balanced, I think, um, spread of players and, and teams. But that's our, our number one metric. On top of that, we do want to reach a global audience. You know, we're, we're very excited about having UAE players playing alongside people like Hales and Hasaranga, as you, as you mentioned. And if we can do our part in transforming cricket in this region, we'll have done our job as well. Here's a question for you, and it's actually just come to me now. I didn't really think about this. We, we sometimes take the cricket fan for granted. Put on these wonderful players and they will come, right? It's the idea that you put on these great shows. For a franchise model, how do you create that sense of loyalty? How do you get into the community and say, tell you what, Desert Vipers, there's the shirt, buy the shirt, become a Desert Vipers fan because we're in it for the long haul. As you say, it's a 10-year contract. Is that part of the remit to go out there and say, listen, we want you coming back every night for us, not just for the world-class cricket that's on show. We want you coming out to support the yeah. Desert Vipers. Exactly that, Chris. And well, <laughs> that's why it's so nice to be on your show. And so thanks again for having yeah. having me on because this is our first chance really to, to say exactly that. You know, we're, we're here to here to stay. We want to put on good cricket for, for local fans from all sorts of backgrounds. We're aware of the, the expat communities here that go all the way around the, the region. We want the, everyone in, in the ground to support the Desert Vipers and, and the league. So we're looking at every single opportunity to, to get our name out there. And the players will be front and centre of that. Um, we also think having fans as part of the experiences is going to be important so make all of our marketing quite experiential um, get fans involved try and get our coaches and players out and out and around those various communities really? and there's, a, there's a wide range of, of those communities that we want to, to access and make make this league and this team something for everyone Mike I, I, I've, got, I've got to ask you because I've, I've read that you worked on the opening season of the IPL with, with Mr Lalit Modi and it's hard to believe it was 14 years ago yeah. uh, but I'd love to get your insight on what that was like um, because of course we've seen documentaries about it you know Lalit Modi was something of a, a an outsider perhaps when when it comes to the BCCI, who I think initially in, in the early 2000s were sort of kind of opposed to the idea of, of this league. And, and it's become the, the kind of, well, not just the cash cow in cricket, yeah. but, but one, of the, one of the most lucrative sports leagues on the planet. And um, I just, I would love to get your reflections on what that first season <laughs> was like. Was it absolute chaos? Was it madness? What? Well, I could probably, you know, write, write my own book or <laughs> make my own documentary about it. But no, it was an amazing experience to be part of. I was... Uh, working for a company called IMG at the time, which is an American sort of sports marketing company. And um, uh, Lalit, as you alluded to, had had the idea of a, a sort of, he'd actually been to college in the US and lived in America for a long time, had the idea of a franchise-based cricket league, which he felt could be India's version of the NBA or the NFL, back in, the, I think it was the late 90s or the early 2000s. And, you know, at that point, it didn't quite get off the ground. But then, 
you had the growing popularity of the T20 format, which actually was started professionally in the UK, interestingly yeah. enough, although it had always been a format that people had played recreationally. Um, and you had the 2007, it was the first time the ICC had a T20 competition, which was India 1, which gave that, that format a big sort of boost in India. Um, and at that time, there was also a company called um, uh, the International Cricket League, the That's ICL, right. which yeah. was coming up, which was sort of positioned as a bit of a rebel league, which was signing up certain players and certain venues in India and were going to create its own sort of T20 franchise competition. And it was really the rise of that competition and that competition being started. And they were actually signing up some quite big international names coming towards the end of their career. People like Brian Lara were going to be associated with them and Inzabam Al-Haq and others. And it was partly in defence to that that the BCCI were, were happy to sort of fast-track Lalit's idea. And he um, he knew some colleagues of mine at IMG, um, so he asked us to help him develop those ideas. And it was, it was a great experience for me. I was effectively the, the junior person on a, on a very small team, so I was lucky enough to be involved in every element of it in, in sort of summer of 2007 through to the, the start of the And you were on tournament. the ground for it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all happened so quickly. It just shows how quickly things can happen in India. I think the first meeting where IMG had it about it was during Wimbledon, so in July. And then the first ball was bowled in Bangalore on the 18th of April, 2008. So <laughs> it's only about five, uh, nine months um, from conception until in which time we you know, did the media deal, sold the teams, allocated the players, the teams via the auction, sponsorship and all the event management. So it was an amazing thing to be part of. I did it for, for several years. IMG actually ran the tournament for about for, for 10 years for BCCI. Um, and as you say, did the fans immediately embrace it? They did. I mean, it was it was pretty much a, a smash hit overnight. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember the opening game, Brendan McCullum, now the England coach, of course, uh, smashed, I think, what was the highest ever score in T20 in the record stuff. That 100, helps. 150 you know, something. 150 yeah. something. That helps. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I think he hit 11 sixes or something. And that That's was a possible amazing. announcement of um, the. Did you get that from yeah. Crickviz just out of it? Well, <laughs> Phil's the man to turn to for stats, as you said. But, but it, it was a smash hit initially. But I think what's, what's happened over time in the IPL, sort of to, to link to your question that you asked Phil earlier, Chris, is. The teams themselves have developed that loyalty much more. To begin with, I think there was a lot of people following the stars and the individuals and the spectacle and the razzmatazz, and Bollywood was a big element, of course, at the start of the IPL. But over time, you've seen teams like Mumbai Indians, Chennai Super Kings, the Knight Riders, two of whom, of which I mentioned, we've got, have got teams in this league. Yeah. That they've developed amazing followings. Um, initially, maybe on the back of their star players, people like Dhoni. Um, but now those are, you know, those are like, the Liverpools and Manchester Uniteds of India. Uh, and I guess that was what Lalit sort of envisaged when he had his yeah. initial idea 20 it, years ago. It goes ago to now. show, 14 years, and you can build that that kind of loyalty and you can build those franchises. And it, it's amazing. They stand apart now from the players that made them, if, if that makes sense. But that's That's incredible. right. And, and obviously the, the recent development of which this league is part of is some of those IPL teams are now involved in other leagues. So I, I think this league will benefit in... Teams like the Knight Riders and the Mumbai Indians and the uh, Delhi Capitals, which has a subsidiary here, the Dubai Capitals. I think this league will benefit from those teams knowing how to 
you know, generate that fan loyalty, and I, I'm sure it'll take be very quick yeah, to. And you to can see how it's come come full circle to have American ownership in a cricket, a franchise cricket league. Yeah, we we want a piece of of what Mike's described, and we think that can happen here. It's exciting, very exciting. I guess the message really for, for cricket fans here in the UAE, uh, Mike, in terms of this league is, is, I guess, where can we find out more information about it? What, what is the next step? I guess is November the next key date in the calendar? Yeah, so, you know, we, we've, the, the squads have been announced, all of our social media channels are live. Um, we're going to be going through the process to appoint the ticket provider and things like that over the next few weeks. Um, we're going to be getting all of our team owners, franchises together in Dubai um, in the middle of October, where we're going to do the, the trophy reveal. So that will be a big sort of public moment. Got some quite exciting plans for, for the trophy, which we think is going to be quite unique in sport. And then, um, you know, you'll, we'll be following what the players that we've signed have been doing in the World Cup. And then really the countdown will be on from sort of November onwards for, for the season. So tickets will go on sale uh, sometime probably second half of November. Uh, the schedule will be released. Um, we're signing up sponsors as we speak. So all the sort of plans are being put in place, hopefully for an exciting tournament. You're excited about it, Phil. I, I want to just very quickly, we've got about five minutes left. You did touch upon the fact that this is the first step, the first kind of foray, if you will, into cricket uh, for your, your paymasters. What's next? Is the US a particular area that we all, us cricket fans, need to be keeping a close eye on? Is that the next kind of frontier for cricket, do you feel? It's certainly one of them. The teams involved in, in this league are expanding apace, uh, not just in UAE, but in other regions. They've got involvements in the Caribbean, uh, some in South Africa, uh, all over the world. And, and US is definitely on the agenda for lots of teams. And we were very keen to look at that because it does provide a, a definite opportunity. It's got one of the, the highest viewerships of, of cricket in the world. You know, after, the, after India, it's right wow. up there. It's such a massive cricket audience. And it's been, a, I think, a, a long-held opportunity. Is that second generation in the Yeah, uh, exactly. That. Subcontinent, yeah, and they've got some, yeah, I think, some good local players, and they've got this Caribbean opportunity on their doorstep. West Indies play yeah. in, in the US. I've been to matches over there in Florida, and it's a fantastic experience. I saw India play there, and it was like being in India. It was, it was amazing, uh, and they're co-hosting a, an ICC event in a couple of years. Yeah. So you can see the, the plans coming together, and US is definitely an opportunity for, for any cricket team owner. We've got about twenty seconds. I can't let you leave without asking this question. Very self-indulgent. Avram Glazer, one half. <laughs> the Man United ownership what's he like you've obviously spent time with the man very nice guy and, yeah, and, loves, and loves his cricket I'm pleased to say that. <laughs> it's yeah. great that and, he, and that, he's no lying there either by the way he's a big yeah. sports fan is what I he wouldn't is. Be, I wouldn't be sat here if he, if he wasn't into his cricket indeed the conversation right. about Man United will happen off air yes indeed it's fair to say Chris and that, that is time for us to love you and leave you this evening before we hand over to Mark Lloyd who's got guests aplenty in the green room over there Mike thank you so much for popping in and sharing all this exciting plans with us thanks for having us it's been great to talk. and best of luck Phil thanks with, very much with the yeah. team and, uh, see you soon. and we yeah. look forward to catching up with you guys as well as the uh, as the International League T20 really takes flight in the next couple of months or so. So best of luck to it, and um, we're looking forward to following all the progress. Thank Thanks you very much. The Offscript Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please do go ahead and click subscribe. You can also check out our other podcasts, Time Capsule or The Big Interview. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. 